Welcome to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 22. So I found this mom on Instagram. Her name is Now. And I was following along her tiny human's journey in her life. And I found myself like looking forward to her posts. Her daughter, Emily, just like cracks me up. I think she's hilarious and adorable and I just can't get enough. And I realized as I was following along her journey that I didn't know a lot about Down syndrome and Emily has Down syndrome. So I reached out to now and just asked if she'd be willing to sit down and kind of talk through her perspective as a parent, what it was like to find out that her child has Down syndrome. She also has a typically developing child who's older. So I wanted to just hear her perspective and what her journey had been like. She's so, so sweet, and she gave me a bunch of her time. This is a longer episode. And she's also very knowledgeable, both about Down syndrome and about the therapies that come along with it and uh, kind of like what is available. She was a social worker um, before being a stay-at-home parent, and so she knows a lot about how the system works, at least where she is in Canada. And I learned so much in this episode and so much from her, and I feel like I could have just hung out with her forever. I also, the only thing that would have made this better would have been if Emily was on this one with me. So let's dive in and learn about Down syndrome. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey everyone, welcome to Voices of Your Village. I found this mama on Instagram and just like instantly fell in love with her daughter, Emily. And so after following them for a little while, I realized I just really wanted to learn more about her daughter has Down syndrome and I wanted to learn more about it and kind of what that, what her journey has looked like and just more in general about what it means to have a child with Down syndrome, what it means to be a person with Down syndrome, and it could really dive into the topic. So I reached out and she so graciously is giving us her time to go into this with us. So hi now, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here. It's so surreal. I was telling you before we started recording, but like your daughter is like a staple in my life at this point. <laughs> I, I, she is hilarious and adorable and, and so many more things I'm sure you'll tell us all about. Uh, do you want to dive in and kind of tell us a little bit about who you are and your family? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Now. Um, hi, everyone. This is my very first podcast recording. So um, I'm, I hope I'm not as awkward as I feel. <laughs> I don't, I hope I don't sound as awkward as I feel. Um, but uh, I, like Alyssa said, my, um, my Instagram um, is how she connected with me. My Instagram handles um, right now, it's R-I-G-H-T-N-A-O. And um, I'm um, mom of, of two girls. Um, my older one is Maya. She's six years old. And my younger daughter is um, Emily. It's 
E-M-A-L-E-E, Emma Lee. And um, she surprised us when she was born um, with a Down syndrome diagnosis. So um, my husband's name is Sean, and he and I um, met in university, and um, he is uh, born in Canada, but is um, his family is originally from Trinidad, and so he grew up there, and um, I kind of grew up all over the place. Um, I was born in Japan, but I lived partially in Canada, in Toronto, um, which is where we are currently. Um, and uh, I've also lived in Japan for a few years. Um, I was also in the States, in New Jersey for a couple of years. Um, it's all with my dad's job, and so we kind of moved around a lot, um, which is why I speak um, two languages, um, Japanese and English. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's kind of just a quick background of, of, um, of me and my family. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I didn't realize you'd hopped around so much. I think if you guys <laughs> Canadian, uh, cool. So when you found out when Emily was born then that she has Down syndrome and mm-hmm. how can you talk about that? I mean, how, yeah, um, so Emily was um, my third pregnancy, actually, because um, I unfortunately miscarried um, between Maya and Emily, and uh, I had a I had a difficult pregnancy and delivery um, with my first with Maya. So I was getting a lot of um, follow up with my pregnancy during my pregnancy with Emily. Um, and uh, we didn't go in, we, we did some um, extra testing, but we didn't do the um, extensive genetic testing that some people choose to do. Um, we did just all of the standard tests that are available um, in Ontario, where we live, um, for pregnant women. Um, and you know, through the ultrasounds, through the tests, the blood work, um, nothing came back really definitive or indicative of Down syndrome. Um, there was one conversation that um, Sean and I look back on that now in hindsight, um, with with the context and, and the knowledge that we have now kind of resonate to us. But at the time, we didn't think anything of it. We just thought of it as a passing conversation. But um, the high-risk obstetrician that was following me had um, very casually mentioned in passing after one of my blood tests came back that, oh, you know, your, um, your test results for Down syndrome came back as being one in 700. So, you know, not being a medical professional, I wasn't sure, you know, is that high? Is that low in in relation to, you know, the average risk? You know, what what does that mean? So he said, well, you know, that's a little high, but it's probably nothing to worry about. You know, do you want to have further testing to confirm um, whether or not the baby really has Down syndrome? And, you know, Sean and I, hardly talked about it but at that point we were um 
over 20 weeks along. And, you know, the, the brief conversation that we did have was that, you know, even if she did have Down syndrome, there's no way that we would, um, we wouldn't choose to terminate regardless of where we were in, in, in our pregnancy. But, you know, certainly at 20 plus weeks, I wasn't going to do more invasive testing um, to put um, her at risk. And so we choose, we chose not to. Um, in my head, I thought, you know, that's still less than 1% um, chance that she would have Down syndrome. So I didn't think about it twice after that. And um, I certainly didn't imagine um, that she would actually have Down syndrome when she was born. So yeah, um, the rest of the pregnancy was fairly um, mundane, I guess. Um, and you know, I went into to labor naturally, um, and she was born at thirty-seven and a half weeks. So Sean, Sean was of course there for the delivery, and you know. Um, she, she came, um, I didn't have an epidural by choice. Um, and when she came out, they gave her right to me. So I didn't really get a good look at her face because she was, um, on top of me on my chest right away. Um, in hindsight, Sean said that he saw her face and kind of in the back of his mind thought, huh, she, she looks different than I imagined. And, and I think Down syndrome did very briefly cross his mind. But again, we weren't expecting it. There was no conversation of it beforehand, um, except for that one very brief one with the doctor. And we never in a million years um, expected um, a diagnosis. So he didn't say anything to me. Um, and then once the doctors cleaned her up and weighed her and, and brought her back, I got to hold her again and I looked at her and, you know, I, I, I briefly, um, the thought briefly crossed my mind as well, but again, didn't say anything, didn't think anything um, until our delivery nurse said that she needed to step out of the delivery room for, for a minute and you know, Sean said, is everything okay? Um, she said, yep, yep, everything's fine. So she stepped away um, for a few minutes and she then came back with a pediatrician um, as well as uh, an OB. And that's when um, they gave us their assumption not assumption but they gave us their thoughts that um based on the physical features that they could see on emily that um they think she might have down syndrome so they can't they couldn't at that point tell us for sure whether she did or she didn't um just based on the physical markers that she had um they they suspected that she most likely does have down syndrome um so we were you know completely floored um I don't know that there I can't I can't really like my mind went blank I think Sean's did as well and um it just kind of 
everything blurred from there because they told us a lot of information um, that we weren't really anticipating. Um, they told us, you know, we're going to have to to monitor her closely for a while, um, that babies with Down syndrome, um, a significant portion of babies with Down syndrome have a congenital heart defect. So we're going to have to look into that to see if, um, you know, how her heart is, um, her blood sugar might drop. So, you know, we're going to monitor that. She might have a hard time feeding, et cetera, et cetera. So the list goes on and it was really just, you know, information overload at that point um on top of the fact that you know they told us she probably has down syndrome so um long story short basically they uh ended up um taking her into the NICU um kind of suddenly because her blood sugar did end up dropping um all of a sudden that afternoon after she was born. And from there, we stayed in the NICU for two weeks, um, trying to figure out uh, oral feeding and checking her heart, which she does have a minor heart um, condition, but thankfully it um, was not and is not still um, something significant enough that requires surgery so it's definitely being monitored but she's one of the lucky ones that um, hasn't required heart surgery at this point um, and we're very grateful for that but yeah it was um it was an unexpected very hard very emotional two weeks um the hospital though um i can say was extremely supportive um, being in the Down syndrome community and knowing a lot of people who have, um, who've both had, you know, birth diagnosis as well as prenatal diagnoses um, of Down syndrome, many of them have, you know, discussed that the doctors and the professionals encourage, you know, to terminate the pregnancy, tell them only, you know, medical knowledge. Um, and not actual life experiences of what it's like to have a child with Down syndrome. Um, people often say, I'm sorry, um, as in, I'm sorry that you are having a child with Down syndrome. Um, so a lot of people have had pretty negative um, experiences, even in hospitals and professional settings um, regarding having a baby with Down syndrome. But ours was extremely positive. Um, and I'm, again, very thankful for the nurses and the social workers and the lactation consultants and you know all of the doctors that were involved because everybody was very supportive and very helpful and um everyone was very happy for us um really was was the impression that we got while we were there um so yeah it was it was i like to think back on that time and how hard it was because um it reminds me of how far we've come um, and how far she's come. So, you know, not just physically, of course, but, you know, how mentally um, we've grown as a family and, and me as a parent as well. Um, 
I, well, I, 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 we chose for me to stay home after Emily was born with um, all of the therapies and the doctor's appointments that, that were required of us. And, and I just couldn't maintain um, a balance between doing that and, and going back to work. So I ended up resigning from my job, but prior to that, I was a social worker and, you know, I also um, did a lot of volunteer work ever since I was, you know, in middle school and high school. So I've had more interaction with people with Down syndrome um, than I think an average person might. Um, I volunteered at a catering company while I was in Japan um, in high school one summer um, that hires special needs uh, teens and young adults um, to help in the kitchen and help with the catering service. And I had a really great um, relationship with those uh, teenagers and young adults, um, a lot of whom did have Down syndrome, but to be a parent, um, to be in a family where your your family member has Down syndrome, um, it's been a complete, completely different experience. Um, how you know, devastated and disappointed I was at the very beginning um, to learn that my daughter has Down syndrome. Um, I think about that now because now my perspective is completely different. And, you know, at the time that I had her, I did reach out to a lot of families, a lot of parents and, and community members um, from the Down syndrome community. And mostly everyone, I think everyone, um, told me how happy they are mm-hmm. um, about having a child with Down syndrome, how lucky they feel to have that child with Down syndrome, how they would never change anything about their child. And, you know, being in that emotional place and and feeling disappointed and emotional and, you know, angry, upset, sad, all of it, I felt very skeptical that I could get there. Um, I felt like, you know, if, if there was a way for me to take away her diagnosis, um, I would for sure choose that. That was how I felt when she was born. But, you know, now it's almost three years in and I'm, I, I think I can, say that I'm I'm where those parents were at you know when I first reached out to them I think my daughter is perfect the way she is um I feel extremely lucky um to get the opportunity to raise a child with Down syndrome um I was very worried about Maya and how her her sister's diagnosis might impact her but I'm proud to say that Maya is um doing extremely well and understands that her sister has Down syndrome, understands what Down syndrome is, um, you know, has on World Down Syndrome Day spoken and did did a little presentation at her school for her um, kindergarten classmates um, about Down syndrome. And, you know, I think we're we're all my my parents, Sean's parents, our extended family members, everybody included. I think we're all very lucky. Um, 
to be so close to someone with Down syndrome because um, it's been it's been a positive experience. It's been a wonderful experience so far. And not to say like there's always, of course, very difficult moments, um, but overall, the general experience that we've had has been more than you know anything I could have ever imagined um at the beginning so I like I said I like to think back on that time and how difficult that was because it um it makes me really happy how how we've um evolved as a family and 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 how far she's come from that time that she spent in the NICU um to now so yeah that's kind of our 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 uh our birth story (laughs) (laughs) very long one sorry no that's fine I think it's all very very important what um what do you think those next steps really were for you you know right from going from the probably fear and as you said disappointment that this was where you were what brought you to where you are now like how did you make that shift and and really see her differently um Um, I'm sure at first you probably saw her disabilities and how did you come to see her ability I am loving ready to eat meals in this season of life things are really busy over here with a toddler and a newborn and I don't always want to be focusing on meal planning and ordering groceries Factors, fresh, never frozen meals are chef crafted and dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. There's zero prep and zero mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup involved. And holy moly, do I need that right now. I also love that I can order as much or as little as I need by choosing my meals every week and I can pause or reschedule my deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast restaurant quality meals with no cooking required and there are more than 60 add-ons like pancakes and smoothies to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Head to factormeals.com slash village50 and use code village50 to get 50% off. That's code village50 at factormeals.com slash village50 to get 50% off. With spring on the horizon, but not quite here yet in Vermont, I've been looking for simple ways to give my body the energy boost it needs and keep up with healthy habits, especially on those tired mornings when I'm just feeling drained. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel more energized and ready to take on the day. It's a morning ritual that gives me peace of mind and then I'm getting comprehensive nutrition that supports my immune system and keeps me going all day. As a parent of two amazing kids, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so that I can continue to show up for the moments that matter. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm jazzed to welcome them as a new sponsor. 
If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com village. That's drinkag1.com village. Check it out. So Sean, from the very beginning, um, he really pleasantly, very pleasantly surprised me with how um, accepting he was um, about his, her diagnosis. The doctors told us and, and you know, I, I wouldn't say, you know, immediately, but fairly quickly, he accepted it. He said, you know, that's, that's fine. It's who she is. And, you know, we're, we're, we're just going to roll with it. Um, I had a harder time than him um, kind of accepting her diagnosis and getting over that disappointment and, and um, anxiety about it, especially because I think um, I was able to spend uh, two weeks, the, the whole two weeks, I never left the hospital. Um, the hospital accommodated me so that I could stay with her the entire time. And Sean went back and forth between, you know, Maya being at home with my parents and, and the hospital. So I saw, you know, a lot of the other, you know, pregnant moms and uh, moms who had just recently delivered um, with all of their family coming by and of course everybody being happy and celebrating and being able to go home right away while you know I went back and forth between the the you know delivery unit and the NICU um, knowing that my daughter has Down syndrome so it was very very difficult for me for for a while but one of the things that really helped us, um, and again, we're extremely fortunate and we're extremely lucky. Um, but the one of the doctors, the the developmental um, doctors that work at the hospital where we delivered Emily, is um, a parent of a child with Down syndrome herself. Mm. So she heard that we had Emily and came to us um, fairly quickly and um, gave us a lot of not just, you know, advice as a doctor, but advice as a parent, um, which was crucial for us um, to be able to actually, you know, see and speak to someone face to face um, who is a parent um, of a child with Down syndrome. And, and she told us, you know, yes, it's a lot to process, um, but just take it day by day. Focus on the immediate task at hand um, and try not to think about the big picture right now. You know, don't don't worry about school. Don't worry about, oh, is she gonna, going to, you know, make friends. Don't worry about all that. Just focus on her and her needs right now. Um, enjoy this stage. And, you know, as she starts growing, enjoy those stages. And, you know, let's take on the, the future challenges as they come. 
So Sean and I tried our best to live by that, um, just focus on our day-to-day um, and not overwhelm ourselves with, uh, overwhelm ourselves with, you know, the future just yet. So, you know, as we did that and as, you know, eventually when we got to go home two weeks later and, you know, seeing Maya interact with her and, you know, just starting our family at home as a family of four. Yes, it was very different than what I um, imagined it to be. But um, I think as the time went on, it wasn't an immediate um, thing for me, the, the getting over the whole Down syndrome diagnosis. It, it was something that was extremely gradual for me, I think. Um, it took a lot of time. There wasn't one moment that just suddenly clicked. And maybe some people have that, but for me, it was, um, it took a long time. And uh, one of the things that I did for myself that I think was very helpful, and I still go, is um, I went to counseling and I saw a psychologist who was extremely helpful and supportive, but I also see and still see um, a psychiatrist. And so I took more time to do some self-care this time um, mentally so that I could be um, present and um, happy and alert um, as a mom and as a wife at home. So those um, sessions, I think, helped me as well to process um, our life that it is now and the fact that it looks very different from what I expected, but that that's okay. And, you know, this is our, our new norm and there is a lot of positives within that new norm. And yeah. And, and actually one of the things that was really helpful and really resonated with me as well. And I think a lot of um, families with a child with special needs is familiar um, is there's a, there's a poem, an essay, I guess, um, a short essay um, called Welcome to Holland. Oh, it's so good. Yes. But, and, and that, that really resonated with me. I can't even remember who sent it to me first. Um, but somebody, somebody after they learned that um, we had Emily um, sent it to me and we were still in the NICU and, and I read that and it's, I don't know if everybody, I'm, I'm sure not everybody is familiar, but it's basically, you know, you are planning a trip and you are planning to go to Italy. But on the way there, you suddenly realize that you've you've changed course and now you're in Holland. Um, and yes, you're disappointed that you're not going to Italy anymore, but look at Holland. Holland is beautiful. Holland is wonderful. And Holland is not the experience I expected, but it is just as and maybe even more um, wonderful than than you expected it to be. So that's just kind of the gist of the that essay. But it it really resonated because it's true. You know, yes, I expected to have two neurotypical children, um, and it didn't work out that way. But uh, it it can be, and it has been, um, 
much more wonderful than you could have, I could have ever imagined. So, um, I will, I'll definitely link to, yeah, um, it's, it's a great, um, it's a great essay. And I, I, I send it to, um, families that, cause there are, um, parents that reach out to me as well through Instagram, um, who just had a, you know, a, either a birth diagnosis or have a prenatal diagnosis and are pregnant right now with kids with Down syndrome. And if they're not familiar with, with it, I, I do send them um, mm-hmm. the, the essay, the welcome to Holland essay. Um, and I say, and I say, welcome. I say, welcome to a very, very special family, um, a very special community um, that I feel very privileged and lucky to be a part of. So I tell them, you know, you may not feel it right now. I certainly did not, but I hope that you can get to a place where you feel that way too, that, that you're lucky to be a part of such a very special um, community. So what expectations you'd already raised a typically developing child. So what Mm -hmm. expectations did you have to kind of quickly adjust and come to terms with and, and kind of what was that process? I know there's typically a lot of therapies that can come yes. along with Down syndrome. So can you speak to that, like the both expectation adjustment and then what it looked like to kind of like, when did you start doing therapies? How did, how did that process unfold? Um, so we, once we had Emily, Sean and I kind of, you know, just mutually decided that we were going to raise Emily the same, basically the same, exactly the same as um, how we have and we are raising Maya, um, that we're going to expect the same things that um, from Emily as we do Maya and that if she needs, you know, any assistance or modification to that, then then we will provide it at that time. But we're not going to go into it saying, oh, you know, because she has Down syndrome, she can't or can or needs special treatment. So um, that's still the approach that we take. We expect everything from her that we expect from Maya. Um, Yes, it might take a little longer for her to get there, but that's okay. Um, And, you know, so far she's, she's proven everybody, including us, including doctors, including therapists, um, that she can do it and she will do it. She's very determined. Um, that doesn't mean that there wasn't a tremendous amount of effort involved on her part. Um, you know, from the very beginning, it's, 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 it's overwhelming enough to have a baby, um, come home and, you know, having to adjust your life to that new role as, you know, a parent of one, a parent of two, a parent of however many, it's, it's an adjustment. But um, on top of that, for us, there was the adjustment of a slew of, you know, doctors and therapists that became involved. And, you know, I don't say that as a complaint because um, where we live, um, we are incredibly lucky to have, um, you know, accessible healthcare and, uh, accessible resources like therapies. Um, so, you know, but it, it, it still doesn't change the fact that it was overwhelming. So we've had, you know, physical 
physiotherapists and occupational therapists and doc, uh, developmental therapists um, come in and, and work with Emily through the last three years. Um, we've also have uh, doctors, a lot of doctors. Um, one of Emily's conditions is that she has hypothyroidism. So we have an endocrinology doctor that follows Emily um, for her heart. She has a cardiologist. You know, she has a developmental uh, doctor um, that follows her. We have a regular pediatrician that we see quite frequently because um, her immune system is a little weaker than uh, a typical child. And so she does get sick um, fairly easily. And if she does get sick, um, it lingers longer or it could get worse very quickly. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're in and out of the doctor quite frequently, but she also has an opto- uh, not an optometrist, an ophthalmologist, um, because one of the things with Down syndrome children is that um, they have low tone. So what that means is that their um, muscle tone is weaker than that of an average child. And so um, they're physically um, weaker in, in, a, in and uh, they take longer to, you know, reach those developmental milestones like sitting and crawling and walking. But the the, the low muscle tone also affects things like um, eating. So eating takes more effort for them, and that's something that requires therapy. Um, speaking is also something that they have to work a lot harder to achieve. Um, and the other thing is, you know, eyesight. So eyes are obviously, your eyes are controlled by um, muscles as well. And so um, because that is, that tends to be weaker, um, we also have an ophthalmologist that she goes to. So it's a lot to juggle. Um, and that's another reason why that the, the um, doctor at the beginning in the NICU told us, you know, just take it day by day. Like you have enough on your plate um, without looking at the bigger picture, just accomplish the immediate tasks at hand. And um, yeah, that's kind of what we've done. It's certainly slowed down um, since the, I'd say the first two years. Um, once we hit two, it it's become more routine and it's become a little bit more um, spaced out the therapies, but the first two years were, were pretty, um, pretty busy. Every week we had, you know, several appointments that we had to, to juggle. Um, when did they start doing therapy? They started basically, someone came out to see us basically like within a month that we were home with her. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, so Canada, um, well, you know what, I can't speak to the provinces outside of Ontario, but at least in Ontario, um, it, it is, it, if you know how to access it, and that's another problem because, you know, if you don't have um, support around you that can connect you to the right groups and right resources, mm-hmm. um, or if you don't have the knowledge or the ability to access it yourself, it can be difficult. But because I'm a social worker and because we had a lot of great 
um, professionals around us at the hospital when we were discharged and we went home. We were armed with a lot of knowledge and information about how to access these um, resources. So we were able to get connected and, and start fairly quickly. Um, and so typically uh, those therapies, which are covered by the province, um, and so we don't actually have to pay anything out of pocket. Um, it's monthly. Um, and so we started, I can't remember, I think it was probably around three or four months. We started seeing um, a physiotherapist. And then in terms of the developmental therapist, um, we're connected to uh, an institution called the Surrey Place in, in Toronto, which is wonderful. And a developmental therapist has been coming out to see us um, once a month, basically, since Emily was a few months old. Um, That's awesome. So, yeah, um, you know, so a lot with, of... Sorry, with, go ahead. Yeah, I should have a question. With Down syndrome, then, yeah. are we... As a person with Down syndrome, are we looking really at like the physical aspects, right? Like building that muscle, helping your mouth learn how to how to move and how to eat, how to talk, the articulation, um, or are there also developmental delays and that aren't related to kind of that physical tone building, um, but that are kind of like deeper. I guess yeah, for sure. So um, as well as the developmental. Um, physical delays. Um, people with Down syndrome um, tend to have global, or sorry, not global, but um, intellectual developmental delays as well. So they could be um, slower in starting to speak. Um, the way that they process information might be a little slower. Um, so it's like a neurological, like sensory system. Um, yeah, well, the way that they process sensory, um, I think might be a little bit different too. So a lot of kids with Down syndrome, I've noticed, um, are either sensory seeking uh-huh. or sensory, very sensitive to yeah. sensory um, stimulation. So that's something that they work on with um, therapists as well, depending on the child's need. Um I mean, that's awesome. Nice that you have access to all these therapists. Yes, for sure. But again, even in, even if we live in, in this province, um, like I said, if, if, you, if you're not aware of it, yeah. a lot of those services aren't just going to come to you. Right. So um, I think it's important for families to seek out other parents um, mm-hmm. and community members um, within your, your you know, neighborhood or within your city to because a lot of the times those people will have um, with older kids with Down syndrome will have um, really great information and knowledge about how to access and what's out there um, in your local community. So um, I usually, if, if a family reaches out to me, I usually tell them, you know, join your local Down syndrome groups um, and reach out to those other parents who have already, you know, gone through this and, and ask them for advice as to, you know, where to connect for, for um, resources like therapists and, and, you know, which doctors are familiar with kids with Down syndrome um, and even which doctors to connect, period, you know, what doctors are necessary. So, yeah. 
think that's great advice. And I think it's awesome that we have also social media to help us yes. connect in general. <laughs> For sure. Um, so I know you, you're, you're making an effort to focus on the day-to-day and kind of where you are now. Can I ask a long-term question? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Cool. Um, what, I guess, what are the long-term expectations for a person with Down syndrome? I'm sure there's great variance in general um, as there are yeah. with typically. I mean, down, having a Down syndrome diagnosis isn't, you know, it's, 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 it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a word to describe a condition. So within that condition, as with anybody else, um, there is a great range and variance of abilities and talents that people with Down syndrome have. Um, so, you know, through social media, I've, I've met, um, a, a lot of wonderful families um, and and adults with Down syndrome, and everybody has you know their different abilities. So I know you know a wonderful family in the states that um, have uh, have adopted a, a girl with Down syndrome, and she's um, I can't remember quite how old she is, but she's nonverbal. Um, but she's still able to communicate through sign language and she has an incredible talent for art. So, you know, and then there's other um, kids who have a talent for music or um, a talent for cooking and they actually have their, you know, they run their own small business um, selling baked goods. So, you know, I have no idea at this point what, um, the future holds for Emily, but Sean and I, our goal has been and always will be for her to um, achieve her her greatest potential and for us to be able to provide her with the means necessary um, to be able to reach that potential. Um, and, you know, and whatever that whatever that looks like, um, as long as she is happy and she is as independent as she possibly can, that's a great, that's a, that's a big goal for us, um, for her to be as independent as possible. Um, And what does that tend to look like, um, in terms, I know this is something that definitely evolved in the last couple of years. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, people, people with Down syndrome, you know, even 20, 30 years ago had a much shorter life expectancy and much um, lower quality of life, unfortunately. Nowadays, there's a lot more available. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people working very hard to um, be more inclusive in the community, in the workforce um, for people, not just with Down syndrome, but of all abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for... Um, you know, for us, independence looks like, well, people with Down syndrome, like there are people who have Down syndrome who have driver's licenses and drive to their own, you know, job and, and back. And, you know, that's wonderful. There are people with Down syndrome who are married and, you know, it, it we're not sure what that would look like for Emily yet, mm-hmm. but um, we want to be able to, support her um in any way possible um within you know our means to be able to do that for her so you know right now we're basically just working hard at therapy and day to day you know activities 
to try and build those foundations um, so that once that when when she starts getting older she'll um have that foundation of whether it's you know language or physical um abilities so that she can you know be as independent as she can and wants to be um and but i think that's really you know the same for any parent regardless of a child's abilities Yes. You know, for the child to be independent and happy is and and self sufficient is the goal for 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 most parents. I think um, it's something that we hope for for Maya as well to be happy, to be self sufficient, to be independent. Because we're not going to be, you know, Sean and I are not going to be able to be around forever. So I I think about you know once we're too old or we're gone. What does that gonna? What does that look like for them as sisters? And we want to make sure that both girls have the means to support themselves as best they can. So I love that. And how have you talked to Maya about Emily's diagnosis? We have. Um, when we were still in the NICU, um, a wonderful friend um, sent me. A package and it was a book for me um, a book written by another mother with Down syndrome and and her journey um, as a mom as a child with Down syndrome but it also um, had a book for kids that was written also by a mother with Down syndrome but the story um, about a brother uh, a neurotypical brother and a little sister with Down syndrome. So um, we've read Maya that book. We've talked to her about um, what it means to have Down syndrome. Um, we've um, always treated them equally. Um, we've also, you know, Maya sometimes comes with us to. Um, doctor's appointments to physiotherapy appointments. So she knows, you know, oh my, oh, oh, my sister's going to physiotherapy today and she's working on this because for her, um, as a, as a kid with Down syndrome, she, she might take a little bit longer and she, she needs a little bit more help to be able to do things that maybe I can do, um, or I've been able to do more easily. So, um, we've always had an open conversation with her. Um, and if she has questions, we try our best to answer them um, age appropriately, um, but as much as possible. Um, and we've always tried to have the approach that, you know, Down syndrome, it's not something to be um, ashamed of. It's not something that we need to hide. Um, it's not something for other people to feel sorry for her or for us to, for us about. Um, and so, you know, whenever, we are in the playground whenever Maya's around her friends. It makes me very happy because she says, no, this is my sister, Emily. She is two years old. She has dancing room. Like within that sentence, like just part of the conversation, it's not something um, that needs to be highlighted. It's just part of who Emily is and, and Maya talks about it um, as if it's, it's just an, another part of who her sister is and who she is. So 
That's um, awesome. Yeah, and I hope that we can just continue that open conversation with with um, with Maya. Um, I've also thought about you know once Emily is a little bit older, um, and she starts realizing that maybe she might be a little bit um, different than the other kids around her. What that conversation will look like, but I feel like. Um, it'll be something that's very similar to the conversations that we've had with Maya. Um, Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced. So differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Well, and I think it's huge that... um that Emily is in a community where she's not the only child with Down syndrome, right? And I think that's something that's also awesome about connecting with other families is Mm -hmm. that she is, she's not going to be the only one in her community. For sure. We've, we've um, come to know a lot of um, wonderful families in our local Down syndrome um, community and through, you know, music therapy groups, and other um, playgroups, we've connected with um, some really great friends um, with, luckily, um, with kids right around the same age as Emily. So we have quite a few friends, actually, that, um, that have a child around Emily's age with Down syndrome. And we talk about how, you know, we're, we're going to grow, they're going to grow up together. And, you know, the parents too, I, I get a lot of um, support from those moms and they're um, a friendship that I never expected to gain, but um, I can't imagine life without 
at this point, like they've become one of my um, closest friends. We consider all of our Down syndrome friends to be part of our family now. Um, we spend a lot of time together and they have a understanding and a perspective um, that maybe other friends and family don't um, just because, you know, they, they're living it too. And, and our, all of our friends and family actually from the get go have been extremely um, accepting and supportive, but they just have, you know, our Down syndrome community friends just have that um, extra level of understanding going through it themselves, knowing, you know, the juggling of the therapies and the doctor's appointments and the occasional, um, you know, ignorant comments maybe from um, from strangers or from people who might not know about Down syndrome. Um, and so, yeah, we share our stories and we share our struggles and they celebrate and we celebrate our, our kids' achievements um, like they're our own because we know how hard um, it took and, and how, how much effort they've put into to getting there. So um, it's been really great. Like, I'm, I'm so thankful that I have um, those families in our life. And I'm so happy that, you know, Maya gets to have other friends who, um, have siblings with Down syndrome. And I'm, and I love how Emily plays with, um, her friends. And, and I'm really excited that, um, we have a community where our kids can grow up and, um, hopefully stay friends forever. Or maybe get married someday. I don't know. (laughs) I think one thing that your Instagram does an awesome job of highlighting or that you do an awesome job of highlighting on Instagram is that she's just a kid, (laughs) right? Like from all the toddler things (laughs) to just like her strong will and (laughs) determination. Like that's something I think you do an awesome job of, of highlighting her abilities. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's really important. Uh, Even down to the fact that she's bilingual, that you speak to her in Japanese and I'm sure there are a lot of folks who are like, who, wouldn't expect that as a, as a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you do an awesome job of highlighting that. Uh, what is like one thing that you wish people knew about Down syndrome? Oh my, that's <laughs> it's a heavy <laughs> question. <laughs> There's so many things. Um, but I mean, I guess if the biggest thing would just be, um, how wonderful it is how wonderful it's been it's just I can't say that enough because it's it's so true and I so didn't believe it at the beginning what do you mean Um, by that it's just you know having a child with down syndrome um I think a lot of parents are initially devastated they don't know um what it'll mean they just know the the um general information or the information that a doctor who only has the medical knowledge and not the actual personal experience, um, you know, knowing that they might have risks for illnesses that they might be prone to like the thyroid issues or 
the heart conditions or the heightened risk for leukemia, um, or they might just know that their child will be delayed, whether it's um, intellectually or physically, and they might not know um, or they they wouldn't know without having lived it um, how wonderful of an experience, how much joy you're going to feel when your child starts taking those first steps or mm-hmm. how much you're going to celebrate just the fact that, you know, she or he is starting to eat solids or their first words and how much effort that's going to take, but that joy that there's nothing to do. T- to explain how um, excited you would be when when your your baby starts saying mama or or papa or you know starts starts calling their siblings or says their first words or their first i love you um mm. it's just it's just something that you have to to live through um but i hope that those parents who've just received a birth diagnosis or, you know, those parents to be who might have been told by their doctors that they have, um, they're going to be having a child with Down syndrome. Um, I would really, really like those people to connect with family or the community um, to get information beyond just um the medical and the negatives um find out more information talk to another parent with a child with down syndrome find out what it's actually like to 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 have a child with down syndrome on a day-to-day basis not just the medicine not just the delays what it what it's like on a day-to-day basis to be a parent um and you know as far as i've experienced um there are very few if not i don't know that i've ever met a parent who um having raised a child for a few years would say to you i i wish my kid didn't have down syndrome all of the parents that i have um come to know and i've spoken to um, some might take a little bit longer than others and that's okay, but they all say, you know, we're incredibly lucky. We may not have seen it at the beginning, um, or felt it at the beginning, but now knowing our child and seeing our child grow, um, we are incredibly lucky to, to be able to witness that, to be able to be a part of that and to, um, have the privilege of raising our child who, has Down syndrome. So um, I hope it's an, it's a very scary experience to be, to be giving given an unexpected diagnosis, whether it's Down syndrome or, or any other condition really. But um, doctors only have so much information that they can provide, but there's so much more than just what a medical professional can tell you. Um, and I hope that those parents um, or those, those people um, who might be potentially making a very difficult decision about whether to continue their pregnancy or not. Um, I, I hope that they reach out 
to more than just their medical professionals and get some more um, information so that they can make an informed, a really a true informed decision. Um, and do you, uh, yeah, do you feel like being a parent to Emily has made you more present. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Um, like when we're celebrating those small victories, yes, we're more present. And we've we've definitely um, come to appreciate things a lot more, like things that that we might take for granted. I mean, yes, of course, all parents um, celebrate their child's milestones, but um, and not to let not to make Maya feel like we didn't celebrate hers but and we certainly did she was the first child she don't you know don't worry Maya we we celebrated <laughs> the heck out of you too <laughs> but we're very aware of of um both girls day to day and you know we have we we definitely I definitely try to um reflect on the day every day and think about how even through those tough days, even through those, you know, crazy days, um, think about how lucky we are, not just because she has Down syndrome, but just overall, you know, to have two girls who love each other, who love us, um, to have our family the way that it is now. Um, I try to be thankful, um, every day. And I think, um, I thought of myself as, as being, you know, a present and, 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 you know, appreciative parent before, but since Emily, I think, you know, that's, that's, it's, it, I've, I've, um, become aware to a whole new level of that. Um, and, you know, Emily also, um, had a seizure disorder um, from six months to about her first birthday. Um, and so the things, the, you know, physical um, as well as cognitive skills that she had gained in those first six months that we worked very hard for um, during the time that she had seizures, they all regressed. So she was no longer able to sit mm. or not that she was able to sit at six months yet anyways, but you know, her, her neck had a neck control, her um, being able to follow, you know, follow things with her eyes or look at you when you talk to her or even smiling or talking, making noise. I mean, but um, holding toys, playing all of those things, they just all um, regressed because of the seizure disorder and, and the fact that, the signals in her brain were scrambling and weren't processing properly. Um, so we spent quite a bit of time in the hospital during that, um, during that period, trying to find the right treatment for her. Um, and so, you know, seeing all of that um, go away, all of her skills go away and seeing her in the hospital, having to go through treatment, having to, um, do all of that where I'm certainly even more mindful now um, of, you know, how quickly things can change and, and how we can't take anything for granted. 
and you know to try and be present and and be um, thankful every day of of what we have and what we're able to do. Um, I think that's an important message in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned a couple books that I would love to get the names yes. of. Do you know them off the top? Okay, so. Um, so the first book, um, I have a couple, but yeah, the one that I can, um, tell you off the top of my head <laughs> is, um, a book called gifts. Okay. So it's actually a collection of, um, I guess essays or short stories, um, from, uh, more than one parent um a collection of stories from different mothers reflecting on how um a kid with down syndrome has changed their lives amazing the book is called gifts yeah that's awesome Um, and i can grab um an email from you that just has more books or even if you have book recommendations like you said the one for maya and also just books that would represent children with Down syndrome. We know that representation uh, matters and it's, it's very yes, important. Sure. So, so um, um, if you have suggestions there, I'll make a, I'll make a list, like an outline for folks who are interested. So in the, so the book um, that Maya received as a gift at the beginning, um, it's a, it's which, which not just represents, but focuses on um, the girl with Down syndrome as well as, you know, the sibling. Um, is 47 strings so the 47 representing the the 23 pairs Uh uh, of chromosomes plus the one extra um cool Cool. yeah well i will we'll definitely link to those but i can create kind of a book list in general for parents who are interested any other absolutely and i i'm always looking for um for for those kind of resources as well for books and and um for toys even um and tv shows um that represent um all abilities yeah that's Um, awesome and we try you know we we always you know if if we're out in public and and now maya if she sees um, another kid or a young adult or anybody really with Down syndrome or even on TV, she'll point it out to me and she says, mom, I think that girl has, or that boy has Down syndrome like Emily. And that's okay. Like, we'll talk about that. Like, that's not something yeah. to be, and I always tell her, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something to hide. So yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Like just having an open conversation or even if it's a, if a, if it's a person with a different ability, you know, if Maya is looking um, towards somebody who might be in a wheelchair or who might be walking, uh, using, um, an assistive device to walk. Like if she's, if she's showing interest, we'll, we'll talk about that openly. You know, I don't want her to ever feel like, you know, that's something to be ashamed of, or that's something to, that, that we're not allowed to mention. Um, if she has a question, I want her to be able to ask it. Um, instead of, you know, making an assumption or um, yeah, absolutely. being afraid to ask. I did an episode, I think it's episode 18, was uh, I interviewed someone and we talked about how to talk to kids about disabilities in general. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think it's important that kids understand <laughs> and get to yeah, ask whatever they need. Exposure from an early age is important too. Um, you know, if you go to a park and you see a child that has a visible or or not visible um, special need, you know, I think most parents of children with special needs would be happy to answer questions. You know, you don't want to overhear other people just talking about your child. But if they come to you and say, hey, um, can we ask some questions? Like, I would always be very happy to answer those questions. Um, And I think a lot of other parents would be as well. Um, And it shows your child that, you know, it's not something, again, to be ashamed of or to hide. and, And it teaches them to to be, I think, more open um, to people of all needs. So I love that. I encourage everybody. I love that. Well, well. I will link to these books and we can, we can put more in there if you come up with more and I will link to your Instagram in (laughs) the show notes and in our blog post because everyone should be following Emily. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) She is cooler than I'll ever be. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so, so much for Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. If this podcast has helped you on your journey, please take two minutes to leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for joining forces with us to cultivate this modern parenting village. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.